Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Got some guests in here, and, and I'm so excited to get to talk to you and visit with you and tell you that I love you and I appreciate you being here. What a blessing it is to see visitors here. Amen. What a blessing it is to see people that you hadn't seen before. Uh, thank you for coming and thank you for wanting to uh, be a part of our worship. We pray that our worship has been in spirit and truth thus far and we, we hope that you'll come back and be with us uh, every time we meet. What, what a blessing it will be for you to be here. Uh, this morning I want to talk about living with a good conscience. And I want to look at it from one verse. Uh, Acts 23 verse 1. I want we won't be there. We'll go to a lot of verses uh, because the Bible is just good like that. But uh, we're going to start it off right here in, in Acts 23. I'm not going to give a lot of background on this because I want to get right down to it. This is a very powerful lesson, really, uh, when you think about it. We all have a conscience. We all think stuff, right? We all uh, try to do the best we can. But I want to talk about specifically living with a good conscience and knowing how to do that. Look at what Paul says. He's, he's in front of the Sanhedrin, and, and you may have done this in your class this morning. Uh, we're a little bit behind in the adult class. We're in chapter 22, not far behind, but uh, Paul has claimed his Roman citizenship as the commander uh, brings his people in and swoops Paul out of this riot that was happening uh, right at the temple. And he says that he's a Roman. Uh, are you going to beat me? Are you going to punish me? And I'm uncondemned. And, and the Roman commander gets a little bit scared and he brings him to the Sanhedrin. And basically, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, uh, why is he guilty? What's the charges against this man? And here Paul, he stands up. Uh, in front of him and he looks earnestly at the council in verse 1 and he says, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. We see him standing and, and he says that he has lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Just the next chapter in Acts 24 verse 16 he doesn't say the exact same thing, but he says this. This being so, as he's standing in front of the governor, Felix, he says, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. He tries to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. He says in 2 Timothy Verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, and this is the beginning of it, not the, all of it, but he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. A conscience. This morning I want us to focus for just a minute on our conscience. You know, as we sit here and you think about that, and we're going to kind of go uh, and kind of build this case for what a good conscience is, but if you had to say just right now thinking about it, do you have a good conscience? Do you have a conscience that is good? Well, what is a conscience? 
What does that mean to have a good conscience? The Greek word for conscience in uh, Acts 23 verse 1, it's the soul, the inside of you, that distinguishes between what is morally good and what is morally bad. Okay, we get that, right? What's good and what's bad in our mind and that, uh, you know, people describe it in different ways. The, the angel on your shoulder and the devil on the other side, right? You know, that thing that's saying do this and don't do that, right? Come on, man, you can do it or you know you shouldn't do that, right? That's that conscience inside of you that tells you what to do and what not to do. Have you ever heard this saying, let your conscience be your guide, Right? Let your conscience be your guide. Or maybe like this, hey, go with your gut, right? Go with your gut feeling. I've done that and paid the price, I will say, um, a time or two. You know, the thing about it is that the, the conscience, if, if good and right, could actually uh, help you. But what do we do so many times? We overlook it. But also on the other side of that, uh, a conscience could actually damage your life. It could actually cause you to do the wrong things, right? So when we think about our conscience, we have to make sure that it's working the right way. Well, how do you figure out if it is or not? Well, consider this. The conscience is the process in which we say, this is right or this is wrong. So the way that we consider right or wrong is according to what we determine is right or wrong, right? We're the one that says this is right and this is wrong. But the only way for us to have a good conscience, to have a conscience that is right, is if we go by what? God's Word. Amen? The only way that I can have the right conscience, first of all, is to go by God's Word. Now, I love this example. Think about a watch. And I'm watching this one back here, okay? I'm not going to do like Danny and... <laughs> I like James' comment last week where he said, we're going to need a calendar, not a watch. <laughs> because Danny's got a lot to say. Uh, I'm not going to stay on the watch level because I'm, I'm not going to get in trouble. Uh, but think about this, okay? Uh, the conscience is not all the way, and I don't want to take this too deep. Just stay real on the, the light side of this. But the conscience is like a watch in the fact that it can be helpful... To help you with what? Know the time, right? But how is it not helpful when I'm up there and the clock is wrong? Because now I'm looking at this clock and it's not right. So what happens is I think it's right and I'm doing what I think the clock says and I know I got this much time left, but then in actuality it's not right. The only way for that clock to be right is if it's set right. Amen? The only way for me to have the right type of conscience is for it to be set right. Oh, man, I love this. I love this thought, man. It made me think. I feel like a scientist, kind of, right? 
And I ain't no scientist, y'all know that. I can't even say Bible names right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I want us to think about this for a minute. Paul, think about Paul's life. And I'm going to talk about him several times in the lesson. And I'll be a little bit repetitive on it, and I'm going to do it on purpose. So Paul, he was the one who persecuted the church. He was the one who had zeal and desire to hurt the church of God, as he says in Galatians 1, 13. His conscience was working, was it not? He thought that he was doing what was right. He finds out, though, on the road to Damascus that what? It wasn't right. What he thought was right wasn't. So when we think about our lives and we think about what we consider right and what we consider wrong, is it what it should be in our lives? Is what we think is right, you know, those deep moral judgments inside of us that we make from uh, day to day, from moment to moment, are they uh, based on God's Word? Or are they based on what we think is right? That's a hard one, ain't it? Is our conscience been properly set? I want to consider this for a minute. And I want to start like this. How do we develop a good conscience? A good, pure, or clear conscience is developed first when one becomes a Christian. And I, this verse is powerful to that. Look at what 1 Peter 3.21 says. In the previous verses, he's talking about how Noah was saved through water. And he says, there is also an antitype. There is also something that is corresponding to this illustration of Noah being saved through the water. It says, which now saves us, baptism. And notice what he says. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the only way that we can begin to have a good conscience that is set right, we have to know that while we're sinners, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we can be forgiven, but it only comes through one person. It comes through Jesus now, Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Thinking about Paul again for a second. He thought what he was doing was right. He honestly, with everything, thought he was doing God's will. So therefore, when he says in Acts 23.1, uh, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day, what he thought he was doing was God's will. But then he came uh, to this light on the road, and what happened? It changed who he was. But he admitted it. He realized it. He confessed it. He repented of it, and he was baptized for it. And because of that, his sins were forgiven. Paul goes into the city. He gets told what he needs to do, and it changes his life. It changes who he was. 
His conscience had been what he thought was right, wasn't really right. Now it had been reset. Because who was his focus on? His focus was on the one person who said to him on the road, You are persecuting me. He admits that he's wrong. Look at what he says in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm the chief. I realized that I was wrong. As a matter of fact, I was the biggest wrong of them all. But he was honest with himself. You see, what uh, made him be able to say that he had lived his life until this point was uh, with a good conscience was he knew that he had been forgiven. He knew that he uh, had done things before that were contrary to God's word, but guess what? He knew it, he realized it, and he changed. Now, did he think that he was doing right? Yes. But how did he find out that he wasn't? One person that he ran into, Jesus. Amen? Have you ever ran into Jesus, brethren? Have you ever been uh, to the point where you understand that you are not living maybe necessarily the way that you should be? Well, how do you know that? Because of Jesus. The only way to have a good conscience is to understand what Jesus says and what He's done for you. We have to set our conscience to Him. Because doesn't He say in John 14, 6 what Mickey read earlier, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me? He understood what the Lord wanted him to do, Paul. He understood and, and, and he did it. He changed. Because he knew if he didn't change, he wouldn't be found right. Paul had his conscience reset. So we see that in order to have a good conscience, we must become a child of God. We must be a Christian. Well, what about the second thing? How do we maintain a good conscience? A good conscience is maintained by obedience to God's will. So then our job as a Christian changes. It changes from it's all about me to it's all about Him. It's all about Him. You remember when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and the disciples come to talk to him and they're like, look, this guy's down the river, man, and he's baptizing more people than you. What does John tell them? And I'm paraphrasing it. He says, I must decrease and he must increase. Wow, what an application for us, brethren. I must decrease, he must increase in my life. And when that happens, the things that I think are right and the things that I think are wrong start changing. The things that I think that are right may not necessarily be right because guess why? God didn't say it was. 
The beauty of this is when we let the Lord control our conscience, when we let the Lord control it, He protects us. Look at this psalm right here. I mean, I love this psalm. Look at what it says. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I'll rejoice. In the shadow. What does that mean? Here's God's wing and guess where I'm at? Right under the shadow of it. He's my protector, right? He's the one who takes care of me when I'm down. He's the one who takes care of me when I don't know what to do. He's the one who takes care of me in all of it. And look what it says. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. What a beautiful psalm. Explaining who Jesus is. And what a beautiful psalm to explain why I should think different now. Because he's the one who upholds me. He's the one who uh, puts his wing out and says, I got you. I'll protect you. But knowing God's will brings us to the reality that when God says that it is sin or when God says that it's wrong, it's wrong. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, guess what? To him it is sin. Now the Lord is holding me in check to what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. Failure to avoid doing what we know is wrong is sinful. Catch that one. Catch that one, brethren. Failure to avoid doing what we know is wrong is sinful. People in the world, people in the body of Christ are watching us. And whether we like it or not, we have to be the example to Jesus, of Jesus to others. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 1.12. And look at what he says. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our what? Our conscience. That we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. And more abundantly toward you. How do we maintain a good conscience? Conducting ourselves. That word simplicity right there, it's a powerful word. It means not self-seeking. Open, now listen to this one. Openness of heart manifesting itself by generosity. Wow. Are we generous, brethren? Are we generous in our giving? Are we generous of our time? Are we generous of the expectation that we know we have to do everything for the Lord? Are we generous in that? And what about this one? With sincerity... Are we really trying to be like God? Man, I can't be like God. You kidding me, Matt? (laughs) I ain't even going to try, man. No way. Doing what you know is right with sincerity, guess what it does? It develops confidence, right? 
And I use basketball illustrations because it's what I know. When I shot free throws, I'd shoot 10, and I'd always make 70. I was a 70% free throw shooter. And guess what I would do? I made it my point to go and shoot free throws until I got better at it. So then the next time I checked, guess what? I was an 80% free throw shooter. It made me have confidence when I stepped up to the line to shoot a free throw because now I was getting better at it. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. So the more we avoid doing what is wrong, the purer. Now now check this. The purer our conscience becomes. This is deep stuff, man. I'm getting scientific on y'all. Y'all ready for what I'm trying to do? Just be impressed by me. Dr. Matt up here. I got visitors up in here, man. Trying to look smart right quick. The more we avoid doing what is wrong, the purer our conscience becomes. I can get better at doing the right thing, brethren. So once we've developed a good conscience and we're maintaining it like we're supposed to by, the, by doing His will, there's a danger that comes in. The danger then becomes what happens if we begin to ignore it. <laughs> we've trained it. We've made it what it needs to be. And then what happens? Oh, I ain't doing that. <laughs> right? I've trained it to be what it needs to be. I'm maintaining it by God's word. And then all of a sudden it comes to something that I don't really want to change, right? So what do I do? I begin to ignore it. I begin to say, you know what, I really... I mean, I'm enjoying, you know, doing the right things and knowing what the right thing is to do. But uh, this one right here, I just can't really change that. Let me figure it out in my mind and I'm going to justify it in some way, right? Isn't that what we do a lot of times? We'll justify it to make it right. So how to keep ourselves from destroying a good conscience? Check this out. When we begin uh, becoming involved in a situation that we shouldn't be doing, what happens? Our conscience is going to tell us what we should and what we shouldn't do, right? Right? But because we've developed and maintained this conscience, we should say, oh, I'm not supposed to do that, so guess what? I'm not going to do it. But we don't. And if we start to ignore it, what starts happening to our Christian walk? It starts to crumble. It starts to crumble. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Timothy 4. He says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy. And look at what he says. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You ever been burnt with an iron? I was ironing my pants the other day. Uh, It's been a while ago, but when I did it, I mean, it lit my finger up. It hurt. I poured water on it and all. You You know what I'm talking about? And it smelled and my skin was gone. Look at what this says. 
When we begin to do what we want, even after you've trained it, even after you've studied God's Word, even after you know it, if we're not careful and we sit back and, and, and don't dig into God's Word every day, we don't pray every day, we don't come to worship like we should every day, I mean the list goes, we don't take the Lord's Supper like we should. When we begin to do these things, what happens to us? We begin to sear our conscience, the good conscience that we've worked so hard to develop with a hot iron. And it stinks, and it burns, and it hurts, but it's going away. So what's the application? You got real scientific, Megan, you did all that, and I appreciate it, but, but what's the application for me, man? What's the point? Here's the point. We fight the devil every day. Now catch this one if you don't catch nothing else, brethren. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We fight in Satan and we fight in his Spiritual boys, right? We fight those ones that are going against everything that we're trying to do. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against Satan and him trying to uh, produce these wiles and these schemes to get us off track. How do we avoid it? The same application every week, right? But it's still so powerful. Want to know how we avoid it? We keep our eyes on Jesus. I appreciate that song, Timothy. Oh, man, what a powerful song, wasn't it? I love that name. Because when I understand what He says and I understand what He did for me and I understand how much He cares for me and you, then it makes my conscience right. It makes my conscience clear. It makes my conscience pure. Because when I confess my sin and I ask for it as a child of God, guess what? He forgives me of my sin and guess what else He does? He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Pure. Man, am I going to fail? Absolutely. Am I going to slip up and make mistakes? Absolutely. So because I'm going to sin and because I'm going to go against God's will, does that give me reason to give up? Huh. It ain't worth it, man. I tried to be perfect. I can't do it. Why even try, right? But that's why Jesus came. To make non-perfect people perfect. Did you hear what I said? Not only to forgive you of your sin, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness every time you sin. He has the power to do that. So by creating this good conscience, it allows us to be able to fight sin and not let sin attack us and consume us. But it allows us to attack sin. Man, I like that. I like being on the offensive and not the defensive, right? 
Look at this as I get ready to close. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 says this. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. I don't understand, uh, I don't understand uh, why I mess up when I don't want to. I don't understand why I do some things that I, I shouldn't do. But guess what? Jesus said, I got you covered, now what? I got you covered, now what? You can't use that as an excuse. I'm going to forgive you of your sin every time you mess up. But I don't use it for an excuse because I hold myself now to a higher standard, right? Haley Durrett ain't here and, and I want to just talk about her for a minute. I see her on Facebook every once in a while and she got these ear things on, right? And she got this gun and she's shooting at this target, right? She's probably a better shot than me because I ain't really ever shot no gun. I'll admit it. All right, I shot a three-pointer. I need some training, y'all. I know we got some gun slingers in here, right? <laughs> but look at what look at this application. So here's Haley with this gun, and she's shooting down here at this target. Now, if she keeps shooting at this target, maybe at first uh, you think she's gonna hit right on that bullseye? No. But guess what? When she loads that gun back up and she keeps shooting, she comes back the next week, she loads it up and she keeps shooting, what happens? She begins to hit the target. And guess what else? If she keeps shooting, she'll start hitting the bullseye. She's making it her aim to hit the target. Now, brethren, there's the application. Is it our aim? Is it our goal? to look to Jesus for the way we view right and the way we view wrong. Is that what our goal is? To be like Him more and more. I want to close with this verse. And I want to do it just like it says. I'm not the writer of Hebrews, but I want you to think about this and I want you to do this for me and I want you to be real specific. Pick... Pray for everybody, but pick five out this week in this congregation, five people, and pray for them. And not just say, Lord, let them have a good day. Pray for them. Pray for them to be successful in their week. Pray for them to be successful in their tough situations. Pray for them to be, as this verse says, confident that they have a good conscience in all things and look at what it says pray this desiring that they will live honorably I still love how James ends his prayer we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory isn't that what it's about what is my main uh, goal in life? What is the point of life? David Morris said it at the rally. It's to give God all the glory and give Him all the praise in everything that I do. Wow, what a powerful thought. I'm able to do that. 
I love you all and I appreciate you very much. If you're here today and you are not a Christian, don't wait. Don't wait. There's too many blessings that come by being a child of God. Your sins are forgiven. The plate is wiped clean. You're able to to have fellowship and be reconciled to God Almighty. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he told those there, they they understood that they had killed the, the Christ. They said, what do we need to do? He told them they needed to repent. They needed to turn from the way they were living and turn towards God. He said, and and be baptized, every one of you. Why do you get baptized? For the remission of your sins is what he said. To have my sins forgiven. To have my plate wiped clean. And then I get to live forever and ever with him. Even right here on this earth, I get to live with him knowing that I'm doing His will, and what I've done now is I've changed my way of thinking to what His way of thinking is, and that allows me to have this good conscience. Does it come immediately? Absolutely not. But does it come uh, when you're trying and making it your aim? Absolutely. Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you want to be saved, you can right now. Hey, maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here and you need to get some things straight. Maybe you've been doing things that are contrary to God's word and you need prayer. Don't wait. Come. Let's work it out. Let's figure it out. Let's do what we need to do. Don't be ashamed. We're all brothers and sisters. We all have shortcomings. We all have failures. We all mess up. But let's get it right. Let's try to live as the best we can for the God who loves us so much. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.